Hi, this is Haley Beebe, the Carveline Color Admin. Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Janus. Hey, Paul. Here we are. Another day. Doing the thing. You know, Jack, I want to say the irony of recording today. Yeah. I was doing a little bit of research, you know, because we are prepared when we do these things, you know. Sometimes. Yeah. And so I went back and I listened to the previous uh, podcast where we talked about similar topics to what we're going to talk about today. When I was listening, we talked about how today was one of the perfect days. We get about two or three of these a year in St. Louis. Low humidity. It was 60 degrees overnight. It's like 82 during the day today. It's Mm -hmm. just one of those days that make it hard to come back inside the building after lunch. When I went back and looked, it was almost exactly two years ago to the day that that discussion happened. Now, there's two important points to this. Number one, we're talking about an episode that we recorded more than two years ago. Well, yeah. I mean... I still wonder myself how we're still doing this, but the fact that we were talking about concrete two years ago in a perfect weather day, it makes me think we need to talk about concrete more often. Yeah. If it's going to be the perfect (laughs) weather day. Right. But I I have to answer your question of, I can't believe we're still doing this. And it's because gosh, darn it, Paul, we're good enough. We're smart enough. And people, and people like, like uh, us. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, but that's great. And yeah, today is exactly the same day, right? So we're yeah. apparently, um, if we use the Carveline Tech Service as our guide, uh, we can estimate that there will be a day in August where we get unusual weather but now it's hard to say unusual weather because you have facts that it happened exactly the same way a couple years ago right right we're starting to be uh, predict a pattern here yeah i can have this be usual weather for 365 days a year yeah i think we'd have to move for that yes yeah, san diego yeah, yeah 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 or north carolina maybe i don't know no no it gets hot there you know coastal area is not bad but then you got to deal with hurricanes yeah yeah no a good friend of mine has uh, told me that Portugal, we got we to gotta look into Portugal. Huh. I had never thought about living there. We wanted to talk a little bit because we've realized that we've hinted around this area in several different podcasts before, one of which Paul listened to, and that was our surface prep of concrete. What episode was that, Paul? So we talked about surface prep mainly in episode 41, and that was when we talked about the revisions that were made to SP13 for that. I think that was a 2018 revision that they did, the update. And we talked a lot about concrete, how it's made, what it comes from, why it's difficult to paint. We talked about in episode 17, and then we got a little bit into hydrostatic pressure and moisture vapor emission rates in episode 46. If you want any of that background information that we'll probably just mention but glance right over today, you need to go back to those episodes. We've touched on this, and and it was one of those things when we started talking about should we do this topic that we had to go make sure that we hadn't actually talked about it, like to the extent that it deserves. But we kind of want to get into a kind of controversial topic sometimes. And and I say controversial because I know the amount of arguments and fights I've had about this topic. We're going to go with the approved... Moisture vapor tests for concrete. So 
we're going to look at what the coating manufacturers want you to know about the moisture in your concrete before they'll make a recommendation. And this sometimes is part of the recommendation process. We will give you a handful of different solutions that will work dependent on the moisture tests because the, the moisture in concrete is the biggest problem when it comes to coating concrete. It's why coating concrete is so much harder than steel because this is just one of the many variables that can pop up while you do it. That's right. And there are a lot of ways to work around this type of a problem. There's, you know, primers that'll tolerate high moisture vapor emission rates. There's some that are surface tolerant that will tolerate actual dampness on the concrete. But mm -hmm. in reality, even when you're using those products, the manufacturers, Carboline included, still request or require that you know these values so that they know what they're getting into. They need to know what is this coating going to be subject to when it gets installed. And that's yeah. that's really the important part. Let's first talk about the phenomenon that creates a lot of problems. And it's important to know the difference between hydrostatic pressure and moisture vapor transmission. That's episode 46, okay? Yep. But everything that we're talking about today is with moisture vapor transmission, not hydrostatic pressure. Correct. The phenomenon that is moisture vapor transmission, what happens is, is you have your concrete slab and moisture is transferring through it most likely, most of the time, in the form of a vapor. Where this gets to be a problem most of the time, you know, there are variables that could, could change this, but 99% of the time when you have a problem with MV, MVT, you're dealing with slab on grade. So you have your concrete slab right on the ground. And what happens is, is when you have warm, dry air above this concrete that's on grade that has the wet soil underneath, that warm, dry air starts to pull the moisture from the soil through the concrete. As you learned in high school chemistry, everything is in a state of trying to find equilibrium. That's right. And this process, it's an osmosis uh, reaction that's happening and the moisture is trying to go through. And if you ever look at concrete under a microscope or magnification, you'll see it's full of little capillaries, little tubes. And that's what really allows the moisture to permeate through. And so different types of concrete have different propensities to have these of different sizes, different quantities. Mm -hmm. So they're all going to breathe a little differently, which is what compounds this as a problem when you're trying to put a coating on concrete. Because there is so many variables as to how it was mixed when it was being installed, what additives or modifiers maybe they put into it, how much was it troweled, how much were guys walking around in it, was there a, a vibration compacting into it. There's just so many variables that makes it harder and harder to do, which is why these tests are important. Sure. And so the number one rule for all these tests is that you need to do them in the space where the coating will actually be in service. So if it's conditioned space, the test cannot be performed or be accurate until that space is conditioned. Because remember, if you think about it, it requires the warm air on top of the concrete in order for this effect to happen. If you're working on an open building and you know, you're not having one of these nice cool days, you know, you're going to have warmer air than when that building's closed in and has the air conditioner going. And so that is going to have a drastic effect on the rate that this could be happening. So you, if you take the test prior to it being closing in, you could get a false positive, actually. That's right. Most of these tests are going to say 48 to 72 hours of conditioning is required 
before you do the test. So whatever environment the room is going to live in when you're using it after it's painted, you should have that environment as best as you can for 48 to 72 hours before you run the test. Yeah. And like we talked about in episode 41, uh, NACE number six or SSPC SP13 is the joint preparation standard for concrete. It is the universal acceptance standard for this. Uh, it gives you everything you need to know about coating concrete. So it recommends additional testing standards. And we're going to look at the three specific standards that they address for coating moisture. And those are the plastic sheet test, which is ASTM D4263. The in-situ probes, which is ASTM F2170. And then we have the calcium chloride test, which is ASTM F1869. And here's the thing about those. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say a Tramex moisture meter. That's my little... <laughs> That's your my little, Eve. It's my soapbox, and it's the thing that I talked about literally being uh, fights with. <laughs> so... Here's the thing about the Tramex moisture meter. It can give you a very, very, very small inclination. It might give you an inclination of, um, hey, maybe I need to do more tests. But as far as coatings go, it doesn't give us a good enough picture of how much moisture is actually coming through. It is literally, when you touch those two probes to the top of the concrete, it is telling you what the surface of that concrete has going on, not what's within that concrete. And what it has at that exact second. Yes. And the beneficial part about these three tests that we're working with today, these are all timed tests. They all happen yeah. over a period of 16 to 72 hours. It's a huge range that they want you to evaluate a full a full day, you know, a full solar yeah. cycle. What's the nighttime going to be? What's the daytime going to be? And it collects all that data. So it gives you a great snapshot of a normal use where the moisture meter, you touch it and it says, right this second, it's this. Yeah. And we know that concrete breathes. So in 20 minutes or four hours, it's going to be different. Yeah. And to be frank, in the industry where those are used the most, uh, that's with the like the wood flooring. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing about if you have a moisture vapor problem with your wood flooring, it's going to take you a long, long time to notice. Eventually, that wood will warp. Right. If you have a moisture vapor problem with a resinous coating... You're going to know much sooner because it's going to push that coating up and form a blister and cause you problems. Right. Right. All right, guys, I want to talk to you about Phenoline Tank Shield. This lining is designed for the internals of tanks, valves, and pipes. It is good in a wide range of chemical commodities. It's good for potable water. It's good for fuels, oils, all of those services. It is incredibly great for. You get plural component performance out of a single leg product that's huge and it doesn't have any solvent in it. So that's the Phenoline Tank Shield, guys. You definitely need to check it out. Let's talk about the three tests. And most coating manufacturers will recommend that you do two out of the three tests. And as we go across these three accepted tests, you'll kind of see why, because they all measure something a little bit differently. That's right. Probably the most common one that everybody wants to jump to first because it's the cheapest, it's the easiest, and it is the most visually indicating of the three tests. And that's the plastic sheet test. Yeah. With the plastic sheet test, you're basically taking a square. And if you get into the instructions, it, it's pretty specific, but you're looking at a space about 18 inches by 18 inches. That's exactly it. <laughs> I've, I have read it. Yeah. So 
And you have to prepare the surface. You have to mm -hmm. open it up and make it just like it will be when you apply your coating system. So you're going to grind it or whatever sort of surface prep you're doing. You're going to do that, clean it, and then you're going to mark off the section. These test kits come basically with everything you need if you buy the test kit. If you don't buy the test kit, you can just do it with a sheet of plastic. I think, what do they call for? Four mil or six mil plastic? Yeah, four mil plastic. And some sort of adhesive tape that will keep it tight around the edges. Yeah, you want to leave it there for a min minimum of 16 hours. And that's because it's measuring a period of time, just not an instance. And then when you come back, that plastic sheet, uh, you peel it up and it's a simple pass or fail. Is water present or is water not present? So as you can see by the very limited information you get in return, it simply gives you an idea whether or not you have a problem. Now, you need to be careful because just because you pass a plastic sheet test doesn't mean you don't have a moisture problem. Uh, this is the least scientific, the least quantitative. But yeah, it's just going to give you a general idea as whether or not you need to do another one of these tests. Very similar to this test is the ASTM F869, the calcium chloride test. And now the reason why it's similar is we're going to use a lot of the same principles. We're going right. to prepare the surface. Now this one, you definitely get a kit and you want the kit because not only does the kit give you everything you need to perform this test, it gives you the magic secret sauce formula that you need to get the number. And really, if you're going to get into the, doing this test, you can work all the math out yourself. The ASTM F1869 standard gives you the formula on how exactly to do that. But when you buy these test kits, it comes with all of the formula worked out except for the two variables that you have to plug in. Yep. So same thing, similar to a plastic sheet test, you're going to have a dome. This dome is a little bit bigger than that plastic sheet. Then what you're going to do is you're going to have a Petri dish with calcium chloride in it. The closest thing that I, you know, it works the same way. It's a different chemical, but calcium chloride is a moisture scavenger. So it's going to absorb all kinds of moisture. Just kind of like whenever you get a brand new pair of shoes and there's that little bag in there that says, do not eat. Well, that little bag is doing the same thing as the calcium chloride. It's sucking all the moisture in the air. So after a predetermined amount of time, so you're looking at 60 to 72 hours, you're going to pull that out and you're going to weigh the Petri dish. You weighed the Petri dish before you put it in. And so now you're looking at the difference in weight. That difference in weight, uh, when you enter it into a calculation, will give you the amount of water that passes through a thousand square feet of concrete in a 24 hour period. So at the end of that test, we get a number that sounds like this three pounds per thousand square feet by 24 hours. And I picked that number on purpose because that is what we call the cutoff. All standard coatings work up to three pounds per thousand square feet per 24 hours. That's right. And one of the main things that you look at when you get this test, this one truly is quantitative. This mm -hmm. one is going to give you a number where when you look at the plastic sheet test, that's a qualitative. That just says, hey, there's something here or there's not something here. This one, this is the first one that most inspectors like to see, that most owners like to see, because it actually gives a value. It's a straightforward test. They're relatively inexpensive. You can buy them in packs of 100 online. And well, you can actually get them 
on Amazon. I have ordered them on Amazon for training. So yeah, yeah, they're readily available. Get them in that, you know, if you're a prime member, sound like a commercial for Amazon, but like you can (laughs) literally get one in a day. So, and it, it really is, it really is a good test that is representative and it will let you know, are you going to have a problem? Correct. And the other perk of that test, as compared to these other tests, it is the test that the coating manufacturers use when they talk about limits for their coatings. The next test is newer and it's a little bit newer technology and it, and it probably gives you the best picture of the moisture content within your concrete. So plastic sheet test gives you an idea of movement, right? So like if there is some sort of movement, if you get water on the bottom, then you go to the calcium chloride test and that quantifies that level of movement. Now, when we get here, we're measuring something completely different and we're measuring the relative humidity within the concrete. So what this one is called, this is the ASTM F2170, and it's commonly called the in-situ probe. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a hole that's predetermined in size in the concrete at a predetermined depth that's going to be dependent on the thickness of your concrete that you're measuring. And you're going to actually insert a relative humidity probe into the center of that and close it off. And that is going to measure over a time period and going to give you how much relative humidity is within that slab while that test is running to let you know how much moisture is likely to be trying to come out of the concrete. Yeah, and they give you two ways that you can put that moisture meter in there. They give you a procedure A, which is the most common, where you hammer drill a hole into your concrete. Uh, Very similar to SSPCPA2, you're going to do three tests per the first thousand square feet, and then one test for each subsequent thousand square feet. Now, one thing that is interesting with these two procedures is the procedure, you know, is you get the hammer drill. The next one is, is if you're really on your game when you're <laughs> right. pouring, yeah, you, like the level of coordination with this is like somebody should get the over, you know, the overachiever, uh, Dundee, the Dundee for overachieving. That's yeah, right. <laughs> the, cause when you pour your concrete, if you think far enough advance, you can put tubes into the concrete to preform molds for holds for the relative humidity probes. Now, just like all the other tests, you gotta let your space acclimate after you drill these holes. Then you come in and you you drop in the probe and you let the probe acclimate within the space. And then you come back and the probe lives in the concrete forever and ever, amen. That's kind of one of the drawbacks of this test is you now have physical damage to the concrete that you have to repair. But what you do get is an exact measurement of the relative humidity. So you come around, you have a reader that you go around to all these different probes and you have to leave the reader in there till you uh, don't see a difference of more than 1% over a five minute period. They have a neat term for it. It's called the drift. And so not like Tokyo drift, but you know, you get a 1% relative humidity over five minutes. So the standard does go on to say That could take several hours or several days. I've never seen it not do it in the first five minutes. I was lucky enough to be on some fairly normal moisture situations with the concrete. If there's something funky, I could see where you could have several days taking to reach equilibrium. But 
boy, if you're that inspector, those guys are going to want to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so it gives you a really clear picture. So if you're uh, slab on grade, you're going to go 40% of the uh, foundation with your probe. If you're uh, not slab on grade, if there's like a floor underneath, you're going to do 20%. But that's basically the three main standards for testing for the moisture vapor transmission in concrete. I always recommend that you do the uh, plastic sheet test first. That gives you some warm and fuzzies, but could give you a false negative. So it is always a really good idea to do either the in-situ probes or the calcium chloride test. I think the calcium chloride test is still the most prevalent. Uh, It's easier to perform, does less damage. Uh, The coating manufacturers talk about their materials uh, using that standard, mainly because it's been around longer. Yep. And so from a tech service standpoint, when you call into tech service, we're going to typically tell you, you want to do two of these three tests and you also want to look at one of two. Are you waiting your 28 days before you even try this? Or when your concrete gets to be of a certain compressive strength and every paint company is going to be a little different. They're all relatively in the same ballpark. We're looking for that, you know, relatively 80% of the final compressive strength of the concrete. But that number coincides with where these tests fall out yeah, because your concrete is curing and reaching that compressive strength as the moisture is coming out of the concrete. That whole process is happening together. So Mm -hmm. typically when you hit one, it lets you know, Hey, I'm in a good point to try the others. And those tests are going to all complement each other to help get you to the right levels for a successful coding system. Exactly, Paul. So you want to make sure that you're always reaching out to tech service And here's one of the things I know that you guys are listening to this and you're like two out of three tests and you're like, guys, get out of the office, get in the real world. (laughs) And, you know, here's the reality of the situation is, yes, this takes some time to do ahead of time. However, if you don't check for this and you do run into problems, the remedies for the problems are so much worse and you're going to end up doing these Anyway, because what's going to happen is your coating manufacturer is going to come out. They're going to look at the bubbles. They're going to say, you got moisture problems. Did you test for it? You're going to say no. Then we're going to do this whole thing where you got to remove everything. You got to test for moisture. So it really is easier just to do those two out of three tests up front. But we are way over our time. I am uh, Jack for Paul. Have a good one. And so for the Carbaline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd like like to to thank thank you for your support. support. 